This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. It's Wednesday, and Chip Gibbons has returned to the podcast for another edition of Chip Chat. Hey, Chip. Oh, thank you for having me back. Yeah, new year, same chip. Oh, yeah, same chip. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, I don't know. Do we have a new chip? You, did you did you change yourself? Have you committed you know, I'll, toward... I'm taking my fingerprints so you don't know. I could be a different chip sent by the government or aliens or the Illuminati or the international popcorn cartel. You just don't know. Or maybe just a, a chip engaged in some uh, New Year's resolutions to improve themselves to be a new chip. I, I do have many New Year's resolutions. Uh as I do every year. <laughs> Just gonna leave it at that. Do you want to share one or two? Um, I'm gonna try to write more and be on Twitter less. Mm. See, my resolution was to be on Twitter more. I know it is, Sam. I know that's your resolution. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I am aware of. I don't. You don't need to tell me. I can just guess that one. <laughs> so far, I'm up to. Uh, I'm doing it pretty well. You know, you I, I dropped off significantly at the end of last year, but uh, in the new year, I've committed myself to tweeting, to posting more. You do you, Sam. You do you. For those uh, who are just joining us for the first time in the new year, Chip is an excellent journalist who's been published in The Nation, Washington Post, Jacobin. He's also the policy director over at Defending Rights and Dissent, though when he appears on this podcast for Chip Chat, he speaks only on his own behalf. He's not speaking for any organization or any other interest other than Chip Gibbons himself. I got that right? Yep. I speak only for Chip Gibbons Limited Liability Corporation. (laughs) And today (laughs) we are uh, discussing a topic that we've mentioned several times on chip chat but there's been some major developments in it and this is the ongoing uh, saga of julian assange who this week uh, i guess you could say won a legal victory even though if you read into it there's some really distressing things but at the end of the day a, a british judge denied extradition that would have sent Assange to the U.S. to face criminal charges related to the Espionage Act and computer hacking, uh, basically all stemming from his job as a publisher, founder of WikiLeaks. Chip, uh, your reaction to this ruling out of London this week? Well, well, the, the night before the ruling, I was on BBC World News and they asked me if I thought he was going to be extradited or not. And I said, uh, Many observers, unfortunately, think he will be. So doing that, I cursed myself in a good way. And uh, Well, you prefaced it with many observers. Yes, I did preface it with many observers. Pretty gutless answer, if you ask me, but still. I I, I think I I I handled BBC quite well. I did many observers, unfortunately. And then I said, and I say unfortunately because, and then just spoke for two minutes before the presenter could could finally cut me off. Pretty gutless for a guy who was bragging for weeks about how he nearly got his electoral map correct, if not for one state. (laughs) Yes, but I didn't publish my electoral map in advance. (laughs) I, I I don't I don't I don't I don't make advanced predictions because they always go wrong. Anytime I've ever uh you know 
done something and it goes terribly awry. Anyways, yeah. most people thought Assange was going to be extradited and the judge comes out and they're reading this decision. They're denying all of Assange's big free speech claims about press freedom, about the applicability of the U.S.-U.K. extradition treaty, about whether or not he has uh, a right not to be extradited because of political offense, and just accepting all of the U.S. government's claims that um, they have a right to put a journalist on trial for publishing information about war crimes. Yeah, and- I mean, uh, up until up until you could say one second before yes. the, uh, the 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 ruling was made, the entire preamble to the ruling, you and- would have been correct in, or you would have seemed correct in saying, "Oh shit, he's going to get extradited." And then at the last minute, the judge said it would be oppressive to not last, but at the end, the judge said it would be oppressive to extradite Mr. Julian Assange for reasons of mental health. Uh, They believe he would be a suicide risk in a U.S. prison, and they do not believe U.S. prisons uh, could could prevent him from from committing suicide. They also specifically called out the SAMs, the Special Administrative Measure Units, where people have their communications severely restricted. They mentioned uh, what happened to Chelsea Manning when she was uh, held in prison the second time for for contempt of a grand jury and just the brutality of the u.s prison system was such that they decided not to extradite uh you can read into this a number of ways i know some people have suggested perhaps this is the outcome an incoming biden administration would have wanted in that it both upholds the u.s's uh bizarre and upsetting case against Assange, but also relieves them of having to deal with it, you know, letting Assange go on something else. The U.S. has still said they will appeal it. It will be interesting to see if the Biden administration follows through on that appeal. And at the time of recording this, hopefully not at the time of, of you're listening to this, but time of recording this, Julian Assange is still in Belmar's prison being held in horrible conditions. It's a COVID infested prison. He's complained. He's not had heat in his cell. He's been held in, you know, conditions that are horrendous. And that on Wednesday, which is the day you're listening to this, um, there's a hearing, right? There's another hearing today, a bail hearing. So in theory, they could deny extradition and not grant bail, saying he's a flight risk because, you know, the last time he did, did hot bail. And Mexico has offered Julian Assange asylum. You know, I, I think if and, I... And the grounds by which they would deny bail is that the Department of Justice is appealing. Appealing, yes, which they will do, they said. Yes, they will appeal. I, this, he could, this could go on for another year. Uh, even if they lose the appeal. I mean, if I was Joe Biden and I, you know, if I was Joe Biden, not not Chip Gibbons president, but Joe Biden president, I would just withdraw the appeal, not worry about withdrawing the indictment and, and let Julian Assange go to Mexico and sort of allow the U.S. to save face on the international stage without having to go through this horrendous persecution of a political prisoner and journalist I, I don't know what the Biden administration will do. Uh, it's sort of interesting because, you know, uh, the Obama administration declined to prosecute Julian Assange on First Amendment grounds. I believe Biden, though, did call Assange something like a high-tech terrorist, 
unlike Assange, though, uh, Biden was personally the person who called Rafael Correa, the former president of Ecuador, who granted Julian Assange um, asylum to ask him not to grant asylum to Edward Snowden. So I, I had said, I think a Biden administration could be better chances for Assange's freedom, but worse chances for Snowden's uh, freedom, which is an interesting, interesting predicament. I seem to recall that uh, when Obama took over from Bush, there was a uh, prosecution of Thomas Drake, the former national security uh, agency official who was a source for journalists and a source for Congress and was uh, pursued by the DOJ under the Bush administration. And Drake thought things would get better under Obama and then they uh, briefly ramped up the prosecution and the uh, the rap the indictment sheet, I believe, until uh, the media reported on it and eventually forced Obama to back down, albeit taking a few more uh, months from Thomas Drake's life in the process. So the timeline is that Thomas Drake was not indicted to April two thousand and ten. Oh, right. Okay. Well, so he, was, he wasn't even indicted. He was just being investigated. Well, both Drake and Kariaki were investigated under Bush. The whole revival of the Espionage Act as a tool to go against whistleblowers is really... Uh, the wheels are put in motion under the Bush administration, but the car doesn't start rolling until Obama. Uh, one of the really interesting things from, from the Bush era is that indictment of the APAC lobbyist under the Espionage Act which was a very controversial case. And I believe the Obama administration did dismiss that one. Uh, I don't like APAC, obviously, but the charges against them were very concerning in the way that the Assange charges are concerning and that it was the first time someone who did not work for the government or have... Uh, a non-disclosure agreement was indicted under under the Espionage Act, and I believe an appeals court or a judge made a ruling about what the government would have to prove to to um, convict them. And the Obama DOJ decided that was a hurdle they couldn't overcome. But with Kariaki and with Drake, the Obama administration, in the case of Kariaki, they actually reopened the case. Mm -hmm. Right, the Bush FBI discloses it. Holder comes in and reopens it. I, I don't know if Drake has a similar thing. I mean, I believe he's one of the FBI or NSA four who had their homes raided by the uh, FBI in 2000. Maybe not. Maybe he wasn't. I don't, I don't, I don't have. He did. He was. Yeah, they did raid his home. He raided his house in 2007. Um, yeah. But, and that was in retaliation because the New York Times published a story about an NSA warrantless surveillance program of U.S. persons in violation of FISA with the Bush administration claiming that FISA could not constitutionally constrain the president in this case because he had an inherited executive authority. And the Bush administration was very, very angry that anyone would give this information to the Times. So they retaliated against four NSA whistleblowers who had nothing to do with, with leaking that information. I believe um, 
the person who who gave the New York Times that information came forward and was never charged by anyone, but they retaliated against these four individuals. What Drake did do was he did give information to the Baltimore Sun about a separate manner, and he gave them purely unclassified information. But because Drake had internally complained about this Bush-era secret surveillance program that was blatantly, blatantly in violation of FISA and probably unconstitutional. They, they just, they made him to a scapegoat for this. And the Obama administration, for whatever reason, in April 2010, decides to go go along with it. Uh, Drake was, interestingly enough, indicted in Baltimore, as opposed to the Eastern District of, of Virginia. Uh, NSA is, of course, in Fort Meade, Maryland, as someone who grew up 15 minutes from Fort Meade, probably less than that, uh, you know, so, but no, the government's case collapsed. They dropped all of the Espionage Act charges on the eve of the trial. He pled guilty to a misdemeanor misuse of a government computer, which he, by the way, tried to get a pardon from Trump for, and Trump did not, would not, did not give him a pardon. Drake has also been very critical of QAnon and Trump, and I, I, I did not know he had sought a pardon, but I did a, a webinar, I did several webinars about pardoning Snowden, and, and, and Drake was one of my guests on on one of them, and he was telling about about that story, which I'd never heard before. Uh, interesting guy. Um, the webinar is on YouTube if you want to watch Thomas Drake and I uh, talking Drake is more interesting than I am. I mean, you know, this is well. It, it's it's an interesting story. Just I it I see some parallels uh, to his story and to the Assange case. Um, and as you were saying, the this the Snowden. Well, maybe more the Assange case in that uh, we're all sort of expecting Biden to uh, ease up on him, but you never know. I mean, the parallel there is that you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the Assange investigation starts under Obama. Trump brings the charges. The Drake investigation starts under Bush. Obama brings the charges. I don't know if there was an internal reversal or not, like there was with, with Kariakou, but I think that's the parallel. I don't know what to expect of a Biden administration on uh, Assange. If I was them, I would just, I would just let it go. I, I mean, but I, I don't know. I mean, if I was president, I would, of course, pardon Julian Assange and Edward Snowden and Thomas Drake for his misdemeanor computer conviction. I'd do all of that. And I would I would I would create an executive order instructing the Department of Justice or at least hire an attorney general who would do this, that they cannot bring a case against a journalist source or journalist absent you know, specific intent that this person aimed harm national security, which is not what the statute says, it's what the statute should say, but it's not what it says, but just, you know, barring these types of prosecutions. Perhaps Rachel Meadow would call for my uh, impeachment, for my uh, monarchical interference in the neutral justice department for political purposes, but, you know. I always laugh at the way you pronounce Rachel Maddow. Maddow. I say Maddow. I think it's Maddow. Maddow? It's Maddow. I think it's Maddow. 
I don't care though. Whatever but... her name is, Maddo, Mado. Mado. That's the first time that's I've the heard first it pronounced Mado. I don't I don't watch television, you know. I'm not a television watcher. Uh So, Chip, I the I guess the big question is what sort of precedents are set by this ruling this week and it cuts both ways. Um as you said, this is something that helps Julian Assange but could harm Edward Snowden because the judge pretty much... Oh, I couldn't harm Edward Snowden because Edward Snowden isn't in the United Kingdom. It does endanger journalists and whistleblowers in the United Kingdom. It's worth pointing out that the United Kingdom has an official secrets act that if the information Julian Assange had published had been British information, Julian Assange would have undeniably violated the official secrets act I believe the judge brought that up in her extradition, which is part of the reason why it was kind of unlikely that the British would not extradite just because they don't have a First Amendment. They don't have, for all of the faults of, of the U.S., and I think longtime listeners know, um, I think there's a lot of them, they don't have our First Amendment culture or free speech culture where, like, you know, they do stop publications from printing classified information. There is an official Secrets Act. They give publications what's called denotices, which block them from publishing things. And, you know, Julian Assange, a journalist can break the official Secrets Act. Uh, we've always assumed the journalist cannot break the Espionage Act because of certain Supreme Court precedents. So, I mean, press freedom groups have criticized the decision for setting a dangerous precedent for journalists and whistleblowers in the UK. Journalists and whistleblowers in the UK already face yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of bad things. I, I, was, I was getting more at, and I'm not sure how um, other countries that have extradition treaties with the US, when determining that extradition, will cite the legal decisions of a separate country that ruled on an extradition with the US. Um, so if you have a British court saying, well, it's likely if we extradite this person to the U.S. prison system, they'll fucking die. If other countries considering uh, extradition matters might might also take that into consideration. <laughs> I imagine another European court could do that. I mean, countries where they have a higher respect for international law, I, 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 I think that another European country could cite that. Um, I, uh, other stuff in the decision about whether or not the UK-US extradition treaty applies or whether this law applies or whether there's a political exceptions doctrine at stake, you know, those, those issues don't necessarily play in other countries. Um, it's interesting because the U.S. and the U.K. in the 80s had to renegotiate the extradition treaty because U.S. courts were refusing to extradite alleged uh, IRA members who had engaged in armed resistance who were wanted for what the British called terrorism on the grounds that they were political offenders and that the political exception doctrine in the extradition treaty prohibited the u.s from um extraditing them well uh there is a hearing as we mentioned uh later today i guess we'll uh find out the bail situation and if assange will actually be released from prison 
Um, anything else we, uh, anything else you uh, are keeping an eye out on in the yeah. coming days related to this story? I mean, the bail hearing is, is what I'll be most interested in. And then if Assange is granted bail, what happens next? I'm going to keep following this case. I think it is, I think it's worth celebrating. I, 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 it's, it's, it's a good news for Julian Assange, who has suffered quite a lot. It's good news for his family. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I mean, Julian Assange has been tortured for the United Nations. He's been held in arbitrary detention for the United Nations. Uh, whatever you think of him, you know, torture and arbitrary detention of all people should come to an end. Chip Gibbons, journalist, policy director over at Defending Rights and Dissent. How's the Still Spying podcast going? Uh, did that wrap up yet? Do you have a it's few more episodes? We have two episodes remaining, and we had uh, our most recent episode is really good. It has Abdeen Jabara on it. He's a longtime uh, civil rights attorney. He was president of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. He was actually one of Saran Saran's original lawyers, which, just to say how long he's been around, and he gives a rundown of the history of surveillance of Arab American and Muslim Americans in the United States, which he feels is very strongly connected to US foreign policy, which is an interesting analysis you don't usually hear in uh, exploration of the subject. The other fascinating thing about him is that he himself was spied on by the FBI and he sued the FBI. This is in this is the 1970s, this is a long time ago. And the FBI revealed during the trial or lawsuit that the NSA had intercepted six of his telegrams. And while it was known the NSA had spied on Americans generally, this was the first U.S. citizen to be named as having been spied on by the NSA. So a historic, historic ruling, a fascinating man. He's lived through a lot of history and has excellent political analysis. And as I always say with these things, you know, I'm talking to people more interesting than myself, which is uh, the best thing you can do in life. <laughs> yes, it is. Chip, thanks for gracing us with your presence. I know you're a big star now appearing on BBC I, and stuff. I don't have your blue check mark, Sam. That's true. Mm, that's I was true. denied a blue check mark twice, as you know. Hmm. I wonder how many more times you have to be on BBC to get a blue check mark. I don't know. You can no longer apply for one. So, uh, it's a shame. I was uh, not good enough for the blue check mark. Twitter told me we don't give blue check marks to accounts like yours. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's the message I got. Well, we don't, we don't verify accounts like yours. Follow Chip's unverified Twitter account, Chip Gibbons89. And we'll do this again next week. We will. Thanks, Chip. Thank you.